Here what we see is a graph and the gland here is the thyroid gland. And these four things, four groups of cells, are the parathyroid gland. So what happens here on top, we have the level of calcium, which should be for 9 to 11 milligrams. Well, that's normal. If for some reason there is a decreased level of calcium, that will determine that will determine production of PTH. And the PTH will be produced by the parathyroid gland. That will stimulate the osteoclasts. And the osteoclasts will eat bone, dissolve the bone, release calcium to the blood. And therefore, the levels that were low now will be restored to normal. That's how this bone resorption, remodeling, and level of calcium are related. When we have case of severe malnutrition, someone with deficiency not eating, for instance, for different reasons, one of the things that we see with the time is bones get weak, get less calcium, because we need calcium in our blood. We need calcium for the heart, for the brain, for the nerves, for the muscles, so they work properly. And if we're not eating, well, our body will take the calcium from our bones, following this mechanism. And the bones are remodeled according to the new circumstance. And the second mechanism is response to mechanical stress. The bones, um, are subject to stress. If we think about the muscles, skeletal muscles, they're attached to the bones and continuously we are working off muscles and pulling the bones, exerting a stress. Or lifting weights for different reasons. And there is um, someone who described this called Wolf's Law that says that the bones grow or remodel in response to demands placed on them. We see sometimes cases of people that do some sports, like tennis, and we see more bone density in one arm than in the other, because that particular arm is subject to more stress. It will not produce any problems or symptoms, but if we make a study of the bone density, how much calcium there is, then we see differences. And that's bone remodeling according to mechanical stress. And last time I was explaining also that people with osteoporosis, with weak bones, they are advised to do exercise, especially lifting weights, so they can apply more stress on their bones, and that helps, that helps. And that's how we see um, this graph showing the femur, this bone of the thigh, and seeing how when a weight is applied here, and that is the body weight, you think about the femur, these two bones, they are connected to the pelvis. The pelvis comes here and is practically supporting the whole weight of the body, both femur. 
But then the weight will get transmitted in this, following this line, following a line here. And there is a point here which is neutral. That means that all the body weight get distributed and following that line. And if you see inside the bone, you will see the trabeculae and the spongy bone, these little spikes of pieces of bone that are following this line. They're actually following this, this dotted line. If you see inside, all these lines of trabecula will go in this direction. And that's why the spongy bone sometimes is more resistant than the compact bone. It looks like sponge, but all these little lines of bone, trabecula we call them, they are following certain direction. They are not random. And that's what the Wolf's Law states. So the lines of stress, that determine growth and remodeling. Gravity is very important. Gravity helps to apply the body weight and that puts the bones in stress, mechanical stress, and allows the growth and remodeling of the bones. So now let's talk about bone repair. There's this problem that is very frequent fractures. Many people have uh, at some point uh, a broken bone and most of the cases, in most of the cases, is related to trauma. It's not all. There are some fractures that happens in old age and that's because of weakness of the bone. Bone thinning like an osteoporosis and uh, people may have fractures that we call pathologic fractures because they are not supposed to happen, but they happen in these people because of osteoporosis. Either way, the fractures are classified following this criteria. There are different criteria. The first one may be not displaced and displaced. That means that when the bone breaks, what happens with the bone ends? Are they still aligned in their regular position or they are disaligned and completely out of the place or the line? The other criteria is if the break is complete or not. If it's all the way through the bone or if it's halfway And the third criteria may be open and closed, meaning that if the skin is broken and the bone comes out, that's called an open fracture or compound fracture. And closed skin is not uh, broken and the bone, broken bone is under the skin. Yes. Yeah, if um, if breaks the skin and comes out, that's open. But usually, two or more of these classifications may be used because maybe open and the bone comes out of the skin, but it's also complete because the bone is broken like this, an angle completely, and one of the ends will come out of the uh, 
with this kid. So that's classified open and complete. Exactly. It's complete, open, and you can also say displaced because it's not aligned. It lost, uh, it lost alignment. These the descriptions are usually done when we see the x-rays, but sometimes you can easily see it. The bone is broken. You can see it completely disaligned. And now there are other descriptions according to the location, according to the external appearance, and to the nature of the break. So there are many, many uh, uh, descriptions that we use when we describe fractures, and, uh, but these criteria are the most, the most used. Sometimes, and we'll see some examples here of uh, some of these fractures. For instance, this particular type, these are common types of fractures, this is called comminuted bone fragments, like three or more pieces, sometimes shattered, the bone is shattered. This happens usually in um, all people because the bones are very weak, or it may happen after gunshots. In a gunshot, the bullet goes through the bone and shatters the bone in many pieces. That's seen usually in, in gunshots. Compression fracture, when the bone is crushed. When the bone is crushed, you see this vertebra. Supposed to be this tall, but it's collapsed, crushed. That happens in osteoporosis sometimes. And the reason why old people sometimes you see them like shrinking. Let's see, grandmother, you remember when you were a kid, grandmother was tall, but then now you see grandmother is like this. So what happened? What happens is this sometimes, the vertebrae, because of osteoporosis, get collapsed little by little. And of course, the stature will be less. But this may happen in trauma. Imagine you jump from the roof and uh, you land on your feet. Well, sometimes you don't break your, the bones of the legs. All the force is transmitted to your vertebral column and you have a crushed vertebrae like this because of the uh, transmission of the forces. Can you feel that? Huh? Can you feel that when you have pain or Oh yeah, that's, you, there are some cases where people, in like this case, you know, they, they come to the emergency with, and saying, well, yeah, I fell from the roof, but I mean, I tried to protect myself and I landed on my feet and uh, and so, what about your legs? Yeah, but what I feel the most is here in my back. And you take an x-ray and all the bones of the legs sometimes are not broken. And you go to the vertebral column and you see a bone crush, a vertebra like this. And sometimes it requires surgery. It depends on how bad the fracture is. Spiral fracture. A spiral fracture is, uh, as the name says, is a fracture like if you twist the bone. And this usually happens in sports. In um, wrestling, when uh, the, the arm here, the back like this, that may break uh, the bone. I mean, it has to be a very, very strong movement. And the bone has to be probably weak a little bit and, and have this type of fracture. Epiphyseal fracture is the one that happens 
at the level of the epiphyseal plate. Remember, the epiphyseal plate is between the epiphysis and diaphysis of long bone. And this is cartilage. In young people, the epiphyseal plate is cartilage. And sometimes we see fractures at that point because it's still cartilage. It's weaker. Depressed fractures, like in the skull, with someone, this is seen in this uh, uh, attacks or uh, problems when the, someone hits or beats someone else in the head with something like a stone or like a hammer sometimes. And you see this depressed type of fracture. This one is interesting. It's called green stick. Green stick. And the word comes from, it's compared to a fresh branch of a plant, of a tree. What happens when you try to break a branch and it's fresh? It bends. It breaks partially. What happens when you go hiking and try to break some branches and try to break it in two and it cannot break it. You bend it, but it will not break. They break partially. Well, that's a green stick. Same thing happens with the bone sometimes, especially in children. Like 80-year-old, 90-year-old, come to the emergency sports and you see the, uh, the forearm bent, like an angle. And you say, whoa, that's a complete fracture. But you go and take an x-ray and actually you see the bone bent. What to do? Well, the correct position, the specialist has to do this, and sometimes it's a partial fracture, and since it's still cartilage, kid, a little bit of cartilage, um, the bone bends. That doesn't happen in adults. In adults, if that happens, you break, you have a complete fracture usually, a displaced fracture. Main thing about treatment of fractures is immobilization and the bone will heal itself you don't have to do anything you just align it immobilize and the bone will heal itself that's called reduction reduction is called the alignment realignment of the broken bone the reduction realignment may be closed when you just align usually under anesthesia I try to align bones, pieces, or maybe open in some cases, some places, some pins or plates or screws have to be applied so you keep the alignment. Like in the femur, for instance, sometimes you have to go in surgery, and especially when this displays, it's completely disaligned, or in the ankle, and a long time with a cast, usually six to eight weeks with a cast, at least. And then reassessment and see if it's healing properly or not. If not, some more weeks perhaps. And it depends on the age. It depends on the age. Young people heals better, faster. Old people takes longer. The repair happens in four stages. That's how the bone heals itself. So let's describe these four stages. First is the hematoma formation. Let's go one by one. The hematoma formation, that's right, right after the bone breaks, 
If the bone breaks, it's a lot of blood vessels. Remember the osteon, central canal, a lot of blood vessels going in and all everywhere inside. And so there will be bleeding and the formation or collection of blood. Usually, this collection of blood is under the periosteum. And that's what it hurts. Last time we described the periosteum of this membrane that has a lot of nerve endings. So if the periosteum is stretched by collection of blood, that hurts a lot. That's what it hurts after breaking the bone. So and that collection of hematoma makes all the area swollen, painful, red, inflamed. That's how we see the hematoma. The hematoma, all this blood collected under the periosteum. Second stage is the formation of a callus of cartilage. Cells, phagocytic cells, will appear and start eating all these blood and red blood cells, dead blood cells, and fibroblasts, fibroblasts will also appear and start producing collagen fibers, so the repair starts. And the fibroblasts, cartilage, osteogenic cells will start calcifying the matrix. And giving place to osteoblasts. This mass of tissue that it starts forming is called fibrocartilaginous callus. And we can see this under the x ray. It's part of the follow up of a fracture. Cast is applied, and then the x ray is probably requested in two weeks to see if the callus is formed. That means a good healing. So that's how we see all this tissue, all this mass of tissue in blue, showing appearance of cartilage and the start of the calcification. Osteoblasts will start appearing and calcifying the matrix. Third, bony callus. The fibrocartilaginous callus will get calcified, that's all it is. The callus turns bony. In a week approximately, trabecular will appear and we see this bony callus along the duration of the healing. Like if a cast is applied for eight weeks, six weeks. After two weeks or three weeks, we start seeing the fibrocartilaginous uh, uh, callus and then it gets calcified and little by little it gets completely dense and bony. Still what we see is this little bump here in both sides. That's what we see in the x-ray, a bump in the place of fracture, even after six weeks or eight weeks. And that's a bony callus. Finally, the remodeling, and the remodeling continues for several months. After eight weeks, when we uh, remove the cast, we still see bony callus, and then what comes after is usually exercises, rehabilitation, physical therapy in some cases, 
that helps bone remodeling. If it's a fracture in the lower limb, the femur will start walking again, apply stress on the bone, so the bone will start getting remodeled. And that takes a long time usually, several months. Several months. So the bone, after six months, you take an x-ray and the bone is completely healed. Sometimes, depending on the severe, uh, how severe the fracture is, we'll see some line, but not usual. You see the bone completely healed and no trace of anything. Questions, comments? This is healed, a complete healed fracture. The bone has completely been completely remodeled. Now, a couple of uh, problems about the bones um, are osteomalacia and osteoporosis. And everything is about the balance, that balance that we were talking about. First, formation of cartilage that gets calcified and more amount of calcium or less amount of calcium. Osteomalacia and rickets and osteoporosis. Osteomalacia is a result of a poorly mineralized bone. So the osteoid, which is the cartilage matrix, it is formed but not enough calcium salts are deposited. So what we have are soft bones, weak bones. And they produce pain, easy fractures, when bearing weight, the bones are soft and weak. In kids, in children, the same process is called rickets. What happens here? Well, since they're kids and still growing, the osteoid is okay, but there is not enough calcium. The bones get bent. There are bone deformities. They're in the process of growth. There's still cartilage, but not enough cal uh, calcium to get mineralized. And the cause is mainly vitamin D deficiency. Remember, we mentioned calcium, goes in hand with vitamin D. There may be low levels of calcium in the diet or low vitamin D that is not allowing the calcium to be absorbed by the intestine. The other disorder is osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is um, defined as a problem where the bone resorption exceeds the formation, bone resorption exceeds bone formation or deposit of calcium, which is the same. The matrix is fine. The cartilage is formation, osteoid, collagen fibers is fine. But the bone mass, the calcium amount decline. This is typical of older ages and that gives place to fractures, mainly in the vertebral column and in the pelvic bone, the hip bone, femur, more, more than pelvis, the femur. And that's what we call pathologic fractures because you're not supposed to break a bone, usually um, accidents at home like stumble and fall because of a chair and the way and they break the, the femur. Who breaks the femur when it just fell into the, fall into the floor? If young, but if it's an old person, 
80, 90 years old, osteoporosis and the bones break easily. Now, as a picture that compares the structure of a normal bone and all the trabeculae in a spongy bone, compare what spongy bone and osteoporosis looks like. And you can see, as the name says, osteoporosis, a lot of pores in the bone. And that makes the, this bone very, very weak. Osteoporosis starts at 30 years old. Men and women. It's more pronounced in women after menopause, but starts in everyone after 30. Very, very slow and, and in low amounts, but um, it gets worse with the age. There are some risks for osteoporosis mentioned here. Age in women after menopause, there's a risk group. Why in postmenopause? Because of the involvement of this hormone called estrogen. Estrogen is produced by the ovaries and it helps to maintain the bone density. After menopause, the ovaries are not producing more estrogen and therefore the bones will not get properly calcified. Men also have osteoporosis, but in less amounts because the testosterone, which is the sex hormone in men, it helps for bone density. But other risks like the age and uh, will also promote osteoporosis. But it's more pronounced in women after menopause. And those are additional factors for osteoporosis. If you get old and do not exercise properly, you should expect more osteoporosis. So that's one of the things about exercise. If you exercise as a routine and you get old, well, your bones will be strong all the time. But if you don't exercise, you get more osteoporosis. Smoking another risk factor. Immobility. People with problems, chronic diseases that make them stay in bed for a long time, they're not walking, they have more osteoporosis. Treatment. Calcium, vitamin D, weight-bearing exercise. And this is very important, especially in people uh, after menopause. Hormone replacement therapy. There are different, there are different medications for doing this. The classical hormones have been uh, controversial because they may increase risk of important problems. But there are other medications that can be used, not only uh, hormones, estrogens. Um, there are very alternative, many alternatives for treating osteoporosis. And this is most important, prevention. Plenty of calcium. No alcohol. Reduced consumption of carbonated beverages. It seems that it has some effect 
although it's not um, uh, crucial, but it helps. You want to prevent, well, you can also think about that. And uh, a lot of exercise, weight-bearing exercise. That increases stress, increases, and the bone, and increase the bone mass. Um, that may help this in cases of osteoporosis. Questions, comments? Okay, so now what we're going to do is to have a break, a minute. And then we'll start with the chapter seven, which is the skeletal system. We're going to start describing all the bones. And uh, after I do the description of the bones on the screen and give you some tips how to study this, uh, in the lab we'll do the skull. We have some single bones here of the skull, so you can see them like the sphenoid and the ethmoid. And, um, and also we're going to go ahead with the spine, the vertebral column, and the ribs all axial skeleton. And on Thursday, we're going to do appendicular skeleton, appendicular skeleton, which is upper limb and lower limb. We have the full skeletons here, so we can start doing perhaps some of the description on the screen. And um, I'm going to give you another handout for appendicular skeleton. They are posted on the website. Both are posted on the website. Both handouts of axial and appendicular. You can get it from there. But I have some copies here if you want to have it now. Okay. All right, so let's take another 10 minute break and come back. <coughs>